Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading this morning is Proverbs chapter 22, verses 1 through 11. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. In the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who would preserve their stay, far, their life stay far from them. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, and the rod they wield in fury will be broken. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Drive out the mocker, and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, as we gather here to hear your word read and proclaimed, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our very lives, but speak in such ways that we cannot help but clearly hear your words. And in doing so, Lord, that our lives might be transformed, that we would leave this place not just as hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So as you just saw with our seniors, that we are in deep in the throes of the graduation season. It generally starts right around Mother's Day with college graduations, and it runs to about early June with high school graduations and everything in between. So one of the vestiges of one of those graduation uh, events is that they pack a, an auditorium or a stadium or uh, a field house full of graduates and their parents and their families, and then they tromp out on the stage some soul to be the graduation speaker, some soul to sort of peddle great words of wisdom and advice to the graduating class. And of course, the whole time they're doing this, everyone is sweating to death or just ready for this thing to be over. So they hope that this person will stand up, say something quickly, and sit down. Kind of like church, really, when you think about it. But they, say, they stand up there, whoever the soul is, whether it's somebody that's this great renowned speaker or just somebody that they could find in a moment's notice, they give great pieces of advice, don't they? I mean, pieces of advice like wear sunscreen, 
Don't take an eight o'clock class. Try something new, parenthetically, seniors, as long as it's moral and legal. Step out of your comfort zone. Toss a script, again, parenthetically, unless you're a theater major. Be patient. Get some sleep. Don't eat gas station sushi. Don't sweat the petty things. Don't pet the sweaty things. Call mom once a week. Trust me on this one, okay? Call your mom once a week. Trust me. But these things are fun. They're cliches. They're funny. People laugh. Sometimes they're ironic. Sometimes they're serious. All of this information is there. And so when we hear the word commencement exercises for a school, we immediately think of graduation. We immediately think it's over. But here's the catch. Commencement is from the French, the old French word commencière, which means to begin. And so while that chapter of the student's life is ending, a new chapter is beginning. They're being flung out into the world to take the knowledge that they have learned and to share it with the world and to go and to make something of themselves. So graduation is not really the ending. It's just the beginning. And then it begins to dawn on you that the advice that's being given from the dais is actually important. It's really important. It's not to just hurry up and get it over with, but really important for us to all go forth, whether we're graduating or we're just watching, to take that advice and hold it to us and go forth in the world and maybe do something with it. In our text today, out of Proverbs 22, verses 1 through 11, we find a commencement address for life, if you will. Words of wisdom that all of us can take forth from this place today as we begin our week, as we begin the month of June, and begin to put it into our lives so that we can make a real difference. Proverbs is one of three books in the section of the Old Testament called The Writings. It's a book full of wisdom, and it talks about values and moral actions and righteousness. It sort of gives order to the chaos that life sometimes surrounds us with. But as we look at today's passage, today's verses, those 11 verses that we read this morning, what we begin to realize is that there are three things that we can focus on in life. There are three things for us to draw from the text today that maybe, just maybe, if we put them into practice in our lives starting this afternoon, we can make a real difference in God's kingdom. First, a good name is better than gold. Second, humility is our calling. And third, generosity brings about untold blessings. A good name is more valuable than gold and silver. Humility is our calling. And generosity brings back a treasure trove of blessings for all the world. When he's writing Shakespeare, when Shakespeare was writing Romeo and Juliet, one of the phrases that's in there is, what is in a name? And as we begin to tease that out, that metaphor and that thing, Shakespeare's really talking about that you can change the name of something and give it a better name, but it doesn't change its character. You know, you could, you could pick it up and if you change the name, its character still shines through no matter what you call it. The person, the item, the opportunity is still the same. 
So think about this, when they tease this metaphor out a little bit, if you took that pile of gym socks, it sort of gathers by the back door, you know, when the kids come in from sports events and they start, you know, take everything off because they don't want to drag it through the house and they leave that pile of socks right by the door. Soccer players, lacrosse players, baseball players, you know that pile I'm talking about. You know how it smells, moms, dads, you know what I'm talking about. You can call that pile of socks a bed of roses all you want, but it doesn't smell any better, does it? It's still kind of got that athletic feel, sweat, funk to it. It's just awful. It's like you really just should take it out back and burn it. That's the easiest way to take care of that problem. You can call it roses all you want, but it's still just a pile of old, dirty, smelly gym socks, right? So when we think about what Shakespeare was writing, and then we take that with what Proverbs says, this idea of our names, let our characters shine through, our names link ourselves irrevocably to our character, we begin to realize that when our name is uttered in the world, who we are immediately comes to mind. If you think with me back several years when, uh, back in the 70s when Toyota first started selling cars in the U.S., if you bought a Toyota, you were on the cutting edge, if you will. But what you bought, the reputation of it was that it was an ugly car, that it was cheaply made, that it wouldn't last long, it was inferior to anything else. Matter of fact, if you had a Toyota that made it to 100,000 miles and you took a picture of yourself with a car, they wanted to have a copy of it at Toyota headquarters because you had bought the unicorn on a car lot full of gremlins. But nowadays, when you hear the words Toyota, when you hear that word, what do you think of? You begin to think of quality, long-lasting, beautiful cars, those things which matter the most when you think about buying a car, those things which sort of put us along. And so when you hear that word, the character of that product shines through, doesn't it? Well, Proverbs urges you and I to think about our character, how it shines through when our name is uttered in public. How when our name is recalled by friends that know us and others that know who we are, they go, oh wait, you're a friend of Jeremy Pegram's. Oh, you are a quality person because we know what a good man he is. So Proverbs urges us to think about how we speak to people, how we treat others, how we act, even when no one is watching us. When we live the kind of lives that God wants for us, when our names are said out loud, it begins to evoke this idea of faith and love and integrity and honor and kindness. And what you and I then begin to realize is that we reap this benefit, don't we? When we live those kind of lives in our character shines through our name, we begin to realize that our reputation precedes us in a good way. That's that pricelessness. People then want to be associated with us and anything that we assign our names to, people want to be a part of because they know what type of people we are. And that burnishes the image of places like Centenary Church, the organizations that you work for the agencies that you're involved with, those things that are part of your heart. But once we've taken care of that, then we begin to think about how do we truly live our lives? We think about that we need to protect our name and make sure that it's always held in high esteem. The next part about this is something that C.S. Lewis wrote about. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Now think of that with me. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, 
but thinking about you less and about the world more, about others more. We turn on the TV or we open the newspaper, we just listen in society. The world is full of ego and bluster and bragging and braggarts. Everywhere we turn, there are people that think of themselves as superior or more important than maybe they are. But what does it look like? If we follow what Proverbs says, where Proverbs is calling us to think less highly of ourselves and more highly of other people, to lift them up and to hold them in high esteem, to begin to see them as important people and that they are important to us. So the story goes that one day Booker T. Washington, the the educator and president of the the Tuskegee organization, the Tuskegee Institute, As he'd been there a couple of months, he was doing some great things, some breakthroughs were beginning to happen. And one day he took a stroll through an affluent neighborhood. And he's strolling through, a woman pulls by in her car and she rolls the window down and she says, excuse me, do you need to make a little extra money? Would you like to do some manual labor for me this afternoon? Now, this is a college educated, professorial type of person. I mean, a really smart man. He doesn't need the income, he doesn't need the job. She obviously doesn't know who he is. And he also realizes he's got nothing better to do this afternoon, so he says, sure. And so he hops in the car, she takes him to her house, and he goes out back and she points where the wood pile is and hands him an axe when he split the wood, bring it into the wood crib in the kitchen and I'll give you a little bit of money. And so he rolls his sleeves up and he starts chopping the wood. He makes quick work of the pile, splits it beautifully, and he carries it in the house. Now as he's carrying it in the house to put it in the wood crib, the woman's daughter is there. She knows who he is. She is amazed and mortified all at once. And he looks at her and he could tell by her gasp that she recognized who he was and he gave her a little wink. He loads the crib up, takes the pay and goes out the door and as soon as he left, as good daughters do, she looked at her mom and goes, Mom? Can you, but what did you do? I mean, she's mortified that her mother did this to this great man. Completely missed the boat. When the woman realizes what happened, she too now is mortified. So the next day she goes over to the Tuskegee Institute, finds, uh, finds Booker T. Washington, she finds him and she apologizes profusely. She says, I am so sorry, I'm so embarrassed, I didn't know. And she just keeps rolling the apology out and he finally stops her and he says, you know, it's okay. I do manual labor every once in a while. I don't know if that's true or not, but he said that. And then he said, plus it's always nice to help a friend out. I mean, gracious even with accepting the apology. Here was his moment to tell her how wrong she had been, how, how ludicrous her assumptions were. He challenged her. He could have challenged her and really made her feel bad, but instead he kept rolling out the grace. And in the process of that, ingratiated himself to her such that she became one of his biggest supporters. She went and told all of her friends about what he was doing there at the Tuskegee Institute and she raised money so that it could do even more work. See, thinking of others is part of our calling, lifting others up, thinking of others in a way that doesn't elevate ourselves, but really to elevate them is part of who we are called to be. And in the process of that, even sometimes when we have those moments where we are doing things that are outside of our zone of responsibility, outside of who we're supposed to be, we make a change and a real change in the world, don't we? 
We begin to change perspectives and ideals and people begin to see that maybe, just maybe, the world is a good place. And we begin to see the kingdom emerge. Finally, what we hear from the writer of Proverbs, this passage today, is a lesson of generosity. A lesson of generosity, how we're to approach life and approach life with each other. As the story has it, there was a county fair that always, every year, came in the fall. They always judged the crops. And there was one farmer that always won the award for the best corn, several years running. Always brought the best corn crop in for judging. And for several years, one of the judges always watched that farmer, after he won, share his corn with his neighbors so they could plant it in their fields. And after the fourth or fifth year that he won it, and she watched him do this, came to him and said, what are you doing? Why do you give your neighbors the best corn? Aren't you afraid that they are going to one day grow a better crop than you are? And he smiled and he said, you know what the secret of good corn is, don't you? She said, no, what? He goes, the secret of good corn is having good corn grow next to you. So I share it with my neighbors so their corn crop will always be better. Their corn crop will always be good. And the pollen from their corn crop lands on my corn crop and makes mine better. And he says, every one of us wins. We all have good corn. And sometimes, just sometimes, I have the best corn. But in the end, we all have good corn. She said, aren't you worried about losing? He says, I don't care if I lose because even if I lose, I still have good corn. All because he shared the good corn with his neighbors. So we begin to think about what Proverbs writes about this idea of generosity. Imagine what it looks like when we think about our own generosity. We take the blessings of our lives and we begin to share those with others around us. We give of our money, of our time, of our talents, of our expertise. Think of the benefits that we make and the changes that we make in the world because we are willing to give freely of what God has given to us. We get the satisfaction, much like that farmer, of seeing change happen in the world around us. So in a few minutes when the offering plate passes by, think about it as you put your offering in, the difference that that offering will make through the ministries of this church to make our world and God's kingdom that much better. But if you really want to understand the definition of blessed to be a blessing, go home this afternoon. Take out your checkbook, take out your calendar, think about the organizations that, with which you like to volunteer where you share your knowledge and your expertise. Look at where you give your time, where you give your money, how you use those talents. Are you giving to the world out of your blessedness to make a real change in the world for all of us? Are we giving out of our blessedness to make a real change in the world for all around us? See, when we begin to consider how we use our blessings our, as a generous spirit, as we begin to think about how we have a humility of that spirit and how we guard our name, we begin to realize that Proverbs offers us great advice, a commencement address, if you will, for this morning. Because just as this morning began a new week, we have an opportunity to go out into the world and to begin to live a new life, a new life that God wants for us where we think about the fact that a good name is better than all the riches in the world, where we can live a life of humility, where we think less about ourselves and we begin to think more about others. And then we give generously out of the blessings God has given to us.
But before we close the Bible on that verse, on today's passage, embedded right there in the middle is something that we should all hold true in our hearts. Start your children off on the way that they should go and they will never stray. My brothers and sisters, that is our job. That is our job to start our children off on the way that they should go so that they will never go astray. And so seniors, as you graduate high school, your parents have started you on the road and they're gonna fling you out upon the world. Don't stray from the lessons that you've learned in this place. Don't stray from what your teachers and your Sunday school teachers, your youth counselors, your ministers, your mentors, your families have taught you. Because now more than ever, our world needs those lessons taught over and over and over again. And so if we teach those lessons to our children and our children's children and model them for each other, then the world will shine more brightly than it has ever shown before. And the present and the future of our world of God's kingdom will be magnificent and that our God in heaven will be glorified for all to see. And so what I hope for us is that as we come to the table that we are convicted of heart to go forth from this place living a new life, to realize that the day is the beginning and it can be the beginning of a new thing and a new way for you and I to live, we share that generosity, that humility of spirit, and that they know us by the name of people who go to Centenary Church and that they are a changed and God-loving people and that they want to be a part of this fellowship too because they see the value of what God is doing in this place and through this place. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.